Hello and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guys? <laughs> the, po- the podcast, I was going to, the podcasting equivalent of a stern telling off. <laughs> You're not the king, Alex. You know that. <laughs> You're not the king. I'm starting it with that. Right. Alex, think, Alex thinks he's the king everywhere. Yeah, Alex doesn't think he's the king. And, and he thinks he's Alex the king has just been, the, Alex has just just been burnt people. before. What has he been burnt before about? He's been, burnt, he been before? burnt before. Has he bollocks? He's not been yes, burnt he has. before. What has he been burnt before about? Do you want to give them a context of what we're talking about, right. Mr. King over there? Callum here has seen Obi-Wan. Yeah. I've not seen Obi-Wan. No. I'm keen not to get spoiled by Obi-Wan. Yeah. I always feel a little bit uh spoiled when people play with me by saying things that there are that are in things when things aren't in things and just yeah. you know, just messing with me. It's cause when I go in and sit down, I still feel like somebody is over my shoulder just giggling, going, oh, it's not gonna be in it, it's not gonna be in it. Oh, I got him. Uh. And but 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 it's almost hilarious because because obviously the the cameo of Captain Kirk is amazing in this and I didn't expect them to do that crossover because they... right uh, yeah okay get your giggle out now and let's move on because I'm not love... gonna have fun with this but, but, oh. you're, but you're specific but your exact your exact words to me was even fake spoilers I'm like what what could I literally say everything's a fake spoiler then. Everything's a fake spoiler, Alex. The world is not the world is not real. You're living in a false reality. You are grumpy this morning. Uh, uh, Look I'm at you. <laughs> You've had no sleep. You are not in a mood for this, are you? I'm tired. Look I'm tired. You. I'm tired. I haven't you're, woken up you're yet. You're a tired wee boy. I should be the tired one as well. I've had a I've had a week of woes, Alex. I told you about this. Oh, How's yeah. yours though? How was yours? What did you do? No, mine was. What did, what, mine was why actually, were you late? What What did you? You came back from the airport or some shit last yeah, night? Yeah, no, mine was actually very chilled. I was on tour. I was on an orchestra tour um, with the European Union Chamber Orchestra, and it was like the most chilled out tour ever because it was a tour where we weren't going from ho- hotel to hotel. We were actually in one central hotel, right, and then going out to different venues from there, which means we had pretty much the whole morning up until about two o'clock off every day (laughs) Mm. until we had to go to the next concert rehearse and then play again so it was Mm. actually a very nice chill where where did you go to it just happened to be uh, it was uh, west of england so uh somerset and uh so why did you fly there i I didn't didn't fly there but there was a there was a lot there's a lot of european um uh, members (laughs) of the orchestra and they were getting flights tomorrow so the bus back to london was going to heathrow and then the people that stayed in london got ubers from heathrow to oh, their respective so they, homes so they just sorry just hit the mic they gave you they paid for your uber yeah, back that's yeah, quite yeah. good that's a, that's actually quite that's actually quite convenient really is yeah it, yeah it. no it is you're not it's definitely most convenient very good good playing yeah it what was did you great. play it was great a lot of mozart a lot of Bach, a lot a lot of classics a lot of real real, real classics nothing yeah Nothing that's pushing the boat out too much, but some, some of the um, yeah the main anthems yeah, but you know really really enjoyable and a really really good good group of musos as well. So that's very great. good, very good. Well, I was saying, I was hinting at, I had a, I've had a fun week also, Alex. Yes. Um, in the past week, I've learned a few things. Yes. I've learned. Um, 
what happens if I'm in a in a an em- a foreign embassy and host and hostages uh, take uh, we become hostages and I'm going to start the sentence again. <laughs> if we're in a foreign embassy and uh, we become hostages, as in people sort of run over, run, take. Fuck me! How can I not say this sentence? You know what I'm trying to say, yeah, though, yeah, don't yeah, you? Yeah. You say to me what I'm trying to say. Um, if James Bond attacks your embassy, yeah, you're gonna know how to not run into him and hide. I, you're, I know, you're, you're how, to know hide. how to hide until it was he just blows shit the like gate that. off. We got. Um, we got. Um, how to uh, minefields learning about minefields oh, jesus hell. that's and i tell you what that subject that subject's a bit of a minefield oh, because there uh, because there was loads of it it's brutal i mean that was the one that and and, and also we got we got held at gunpoint held a hostage it's part of a course it was it's a whole thing um don't wait oh, i thought worry somebody got you that for a birthday present or something no no don't. there was there was one funny thing that did happen I mean, I, I can say why I did, I, it's, I, I did it because I'm uh, I wanted to do it because it was part of a, a stag day. <laughs> 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 no, I, did, I did it because I work for Nestle. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and we're we're expanding the empire so that we're creating a chocolate factory. Yeah. So we're just trying to import all the Oompa Loompas to um to some to some parts of the world. Yeah, that tracks. Loompas and <laughs> that that hundred percent tracks. Um, that's it so we and you know we give them the song sheets a few weeks before they fly which is really useful so that when they're on the plane they can sing and practice all their wee songs and we tell them you know we've got a fat german kid coming soon so get that tube ready <laughs> and uh that's that's that that's that wee bit i um i was yeah i mean the minefields are mental mate like oh could get into the the the, the... it was amazing right we were walking through this woodland area so not, we not a this... walk in the park you'd say no, 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 it was a walk through a woodland area, right, Alex. Okay. Alex, you are going the right way for a Kenobi spoiler. I'll tell you that. Oh, for free. I, I, <laughs> and, um, and basically, <laughs> one more bad joke, and I'll. <laughs> um, but basically, the um, it was amazing, right? Because we're walking through, and the, the, the bloke was taking us through, they just turned around and went, So just so you know, you're all dead, obviously. Right. We we're like, What? And he goes, You've all just walked over about 1,400 mines. And it's amazing how they are designed to look like fallen leaves now. It's terrifying. Jesus. You don't even know. I was like, what? And I've obviously you know, never been exposed. To, like, absolutely terrifying, that stuff. But the thing that made me laugh most was there were like there was big groups of people doing it. Um, and we were doing it in different scenarios. And they they basically, there was loads of live actors and stuff. Really, really amazing. And um, there was basically this incident where we um we were going into sort of a foreign town or a foreign city, I can't remember what it was, Krakow or some Krakowitz or something like that. They'd made it up. Um and you were going in and you were, you were supposed to be meeting with the, the, the leader of the town and the, the bloke who was giving us a brief was saying, Right, where we are now is safe. This is the safe zone. Right. We we're all making notes and I'm like, This is the safe zone. <laughs> okay, got that. And then he goes up this hill, we're gonna go in, we're gonna meet the, the leader of the town and we're gonna he's gonna talk us through um you know, we're, we're, we're there, we're there to, because we want to try and help them as part of Nestle, provide them with fresh water for the village and like provide that through some charities and stuff. But you're all going to be wearing um, protective clothing and equipment and stuff. And um, just in case, because this is a low risk area, I'm in low risk area, I'm making notes of all this stuff. This is, this is your close protection team. And it was like this bloke, Keith, hi, Keith, nice to meet you. And he says, I'm going to walk you up. And we were a team of about five of us. And he says, you've got a few minutes to make a plan. Then the whole thing's just going to carry out. You've just got to react to whatever happens. You've got medics, you've got first aid kits. You've just got to like 
you're you're just in this situation now just react um and so and and they said we need a spokesperson so guess who fucking gets pulled as the spokesperson mm-hmm. um anyway so he says and you need a plan so i was like look this is the plan we're gonna you know let's just from previous experience of doing some of the previous scenarios, people just go missing halfway through this stuff. Like people just tend to people in your group just tend to go. So I was like, everyone's got a buddy. As soon as your buddy's not there, because like in one of the one we got, it's like a whole thing where we were like walking through this compound, we got held at gunpoint, and then they just stole someone. They were like, "Did you notice this person was missing?" We were like, "Nope." <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty full on. Um, mm. I'll give you more deals when I see you. It's very funny. Yeah. Anyway, so we they said so. I was like, right. Well, everyone needs a buddy. So everyone's got their buddy, and everyone's grabbing their buddy's body armor. And like, right, ready to go. Anyway, so we walk up the hill, and and there's the there's the leader of the town, Mister Hamid. I think he was named. And he says, oh, welcome, welcome to my town. Do you like being in my country and all this stuff? Yes, yeah, it's lovely. It's lovely coming through. And we, we walked through this whole whole area that's been created as a town, dogs and stuff. It was really amazing. Um, really immersive. And he goes, they're very proud people if they offer you anything, you know, just regardless, you need to say yes, yes, yeah, lovely. And we've got w- w- bottles of water from Nestle that we're handing out and stuff. And nice, uh, welcome, welcome. Anyway, next minute, next minute, there's a simulated mortar fire that goes off over, so a massive explosion, and people start shooting, and they start throwing shit, just like bark and woodland shit, and so we all duck, like, lie down, like, completely drop to the deck, (laughs) but what's really funny is, we, um, there's supposed to be a few more things that happen in the scenario. You've got to react. But of course, we're so on edge because we're like one of the last groups going through there. Yeah. We know what's going to happen roughly. We just fuck off. I mean, <laughs> genuinely, we just jump up. We just jumped up. I was just like, let's fucking go. <laughs> and I, we all just grab each other, duck for cover and sprint it. And what's really funny is like the close, all the people, all the actors and stuff caught up with us. And they were like, what did you do? And we were like, we just, we just ran. We just, just saw red and we just bolted. And they were like, I mean, it was the right thing to do, but you missed out loads of stuff that was going to happen next. Ah! Like there was a kidnapping, there was all this stuff and you just ran away. So we can't really fault you. (laughs) (laughs) We just fucking ditched it. It was so funny. Like the exercise was just finished. And like you hear of these situations where like now and again, um, in, it's like it's like a very publicly run course. Loads of people like the BBC and stuff do it. Um, like journals and stuff. It's really interesting. This is now and again. They had the BBC did it the previous week, and they were like walking up a road, and then this this couple of gunmen came out and you know shouts everyone get in the ground and you know steals them and takes all their jewelry and stuff. And yeah. one bloke just got up and ran. <laughs> he just was like fuck this and just ran for the trees. It was very funny. Right. Is this the um, same? Is this the same thing that Ewan McGregor and Charlie Berman did uh, on their first? long way round trip because they yeah, did they it did is. something similar yeah. to this is it the same it's thing exactly, it's exactly the same course the other one is um carl pilkington did a little bit of it off radio oh, yeah, yes you're good. right it's exactly it's exactly the same course as that so it's i mean it's for anyone who's sort of potentially going to go and they teach you how to like go to checkpoints and so it's a great course it's public you know publicly um run as a, p- a private company that do it it's it's excellent I, I can't wait to i can't wait to hear it more in detail i'll have to go get a drink or something yeah i, I was gonna but say i've got so many stories mcgregor Yes, yes, Alex. We're we're not we're not a survival course podcast, are we? No, we are, of course, a Kenobi spoiler podcast. Oh yeah, apparently and... so. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> and each week we are, of course, music and movies podcast. And each week we will talk to you about. Well, I mean, we're here, right? I mean, this is the thing, right? We when we set out to do a music and movies podcast, 
there's a couple of big ticket items. There is, you know, there, this is the Tyrannosaurus Rex of the park in which we're, we're visiting, right? Yeah. This is, this is the saber-toothed tiger of prehistoric creatures. There, this is the king of kings. This is the you of Kenobi spoilers. <laughs> this, is the, this is the king of scores. I mean, you know, we, I think when we thought about doing this, there was obviously for us, you know, there's, we, we've done Jaws, we've done Indiana Jones, you know, main, main, mainly um, your John Williams scores. Uh, obviously, the other one for us that's not a John Williams that is, you know, one that we will get to and there's a fair amount of, we've got to kind of build up to it. And obviously with the, the, the TV series coming out soon, we do think we'll do Lord of the Rings at some point. Yeah. Um, obviously, A New Hope being the officially, or, or chron- not chronologically, but officially the first Star Wars to have been released. But we, we wanted to focus on Phantom Menace, I guess, really for the tie-in with kenobi um yeah and it's and it's a nice it, it kind of wets your whistle a little bit because the phantom menace and i and indeed the scores of the prequels and i think they i think they all deserve their own episode i think, I think each they of definitely the prequels. do yeah but, and and there's a couple of reasons why i mean obviously the films are very very different and there's so much talk about it. i mean the, these films i mean the phantom menace in particular uh, it, it's a film that you and i it has resonated with more than really any other film like it's a such a special place in our hearts and and it's and it's not a particularly great film no but it but i just i can't i can't help but i like i just i love it so you know it's yeah. like your first puppy yeah so it's like I. the first dog do you know what and, you know what feels a little bit dirty though it seems to it, this seems to be very much the bandwagon at the moment of of prequels getting like loads and loads of love yeah. especially especially like phantom menace and things like that and yeah you know for for the rest of us normies who aren't like typing away on the internet every day um screaming our opinions into the void you know we've always we've always lived like this we've always kind of you know what i really like the phantom menace like i know yeah. it's not i know it's not great and it's got issues but god damn i love it just like just like a love thing yeah. like an unconditional love thing despite its flaws and it's just, it just it makes me a little bit eh, a little bit dirty that everyone's like oh yeah no um ev- everyone's starting to appreciate the prequels now and I'm like no we always appreciated the prequels we just keep it to yeah. ourselves <laughs> yeah it's a really good point I mean and I, and I think it's not I don't think the Phantom Men I I do think that a lot of the hate of the prequels actually is more Attack of the Clones yeah than than this and and dare I say Revenge of the Sith is. A, a very good movie like yeah. very very good movie. that is still the movie in the in the whole franchise that gets better every single time i watch it every Some, time somehow every time. and i have seen yeah. it like 50 million times at this point <laughs> and i don't think it was designed to be that way no, Do you know what i mean i don't, I don't, I don't know why that's the, that's the the weird irony to it. but but the thing with i think the phantom and, and what i will also say at the top is look you know we really appreciate you l- listening to this podcast because we're not going to go into like if you wanted to find out facts and information on this there's a million and one places that you could have went to God, we're gonna we so are so fo- many places like this has probably been one of the most talked about things and i and I, we are going to focus on the music specifically in the sound of this world because it is a, a like we talk about how nostalgic this movie is but actually the sound of this movie like i can I, I, when i hear the score i can see what's happening on screen yeah and even if I was to watch this movie without the sound on, I can hear what's happening. Like I've never, I've never known such a symbiotic relationship between two equal parts of visual and audio for it to be so ingrained in my brain. And 
if so if you want you know you can find all that information el- elsewhere but so we will focus on that but I mean, just another interesting fact for you, Alex, and I'd be interested to hear your comments. Would you say this is the movie that you've seen the most? Ooh. Because it dawned on me, I mean, and obviously what would be what would be just wonderful is to have the data on oh. this. Do you know what I mean? And I think for me it is I mean, it's it doesn't Indiana exist, Jones. but yeah. It's Indiana Jones, it's James Bond's for me, but I do think that... There's a there's something to be said for and the original Star Wars, but I think there's something to be said for I might have watched this the most because yeah. there was a when it came out and it came out you know released DVD and video and stuff I must have watched it so many times and I've watched it so many times since because it is it is just a, a hot cup of um, a hot chocolate isn't it it oh, is just it really so is. comforting. Well, I remember I had this on VHS. Do you remember um, it came in like a gold box? And the box, yeah, yeah. The box oh, was yeah. gold. I had, so I think everyone had that VHS, to yeah, be honest. Everyone had that, yeah. Everyone had that. I think it's a toss-up between two movies for me. Yeah. I think the two movies I could have watched the most were this, Phantom Menace, and the other one was Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, I was gonna say it would have been fellowship. The other thing, the other one was fellowship of the ring, and I and then closely followed by two towers and return of the king, respectively, probably. But I think specifically fellowship of the ring, I've watched so so many times. Just yeah, and I I, I, dr- I dread to think the number of times I watched fellowship of the ring in the year before the two towers came out because I think that's ninety percent right. of when I, of of when I watched it because it was the only Lord of the Rings we had for a whole year. Yeah. Like the other two didn't exist for us at that point. Can I can I ask what what I mean when you were go, I mean the level of excitement you must have had when you went in to see the two towers must have been off the scale. Absolutely, absolutely, just yeah. mad, madness. Now, did the did the Phantom Menace do the same thing for Attack of the Clones? I I, I think it did. I think yeah. it, I think it did. I think I was super hyped for Attack of the Clones, yeah. and I can't really remember what my reaction was to coming out of attack of the clones yeah i i really can't remember i really i think it was just i think it was a bit meh i mean the the one i think it was i think it was we were all at that age where we were we loved yoda we and we thought the yoda fight was epic i didn't actually, um, i didn't i do actually yeah specific, you did no you i do speci- you came out I, I do specifically like, remember not liking stairs. not liking the yoda fight you were rolling down the stairs with your straw that was your lightsaber at the time. right okay and and you but I, and and the one that i mean revenge of the sith when revenge of the sith was both coming out and came out i remember just that was all i thought it it was all i thought about yeah do you know what i mean just yeah. like that's it, that's how i could it describe was like, it. it was like uh it was, it was like a harry potter moment. book coming out yes i mean these th- this is it and I think that we were very lucky, you know, with Lord of the Rings and the prequels and the Harry Potter books, as you say, you know, we, we, our childhood was very much gated by these incredible moments in pop culture franchise or continuing on from, you know, from, from where a lot of them start, you know, Star Wars really kicked off in the seventies. And so we were able to really embrace and, and I guess like, what they did was it was almost like what the Phantom Menace did, and we'll get to the release of it, but what it did was it it recreated but almost put it on steroids, that hype of when um Empire Strikes Back came out. Because everybody, you know, wanted to see Empire Strikes Back. The the as as you know, as I say, you wanted to see the two towers because you were so hyped for 
fellowship and and that this was the first of a brand new you know that the possibilities were quite literally endless you, yeah we were you know as fans you you'd no idea what you were going to see now i was sadly a little bit too young to really understand this movie and and i'm even you know watching it for years because it's and it gets a lot of flack because it's a very pol- political film yeah and i I think it's actually really appropriate that it is. And I think in today's world, it resonates more. I think it matures a little bit more how the, you know, I think everyone's a lot closer to politics and politicians. Yeah. And everyone's a lot more, um, I guess, aware of of, of quite the, the, the detrimental effects it has of getting some of that stuff wrong or public opinion wrong or, or using resource management and stuff to... Um, I, I guess like create conflict zones all around the world. Yeah. Alex, am I right in yeah. saying? And so actually, some of the themes of this movie have matured really quite impeccably, and um, more so than you know, this is called Star Wars, but it's not really a war, is it? No, not really. You know, this is this is this is the this is the, the preamble too, and you know, it's the fuse, so to speak. And I guess what probably a lot of people would have wanted to see from this is maybe a couple of you know twenty years before this film, you know, the kind of the high was it the, the the high republic or the, the the you know the where the the jedi were really in charge yeah, yeah, really yeah. the kind of um the the golden era of the jedi and this is obviously the decline is very much in front of you as the audience member but the jedi are a little bit you know naive to this and it kind of creeps up on them obviously as these yeah. things go on and we have you know qui-gon the intro to qui-gon and obi-wan in the blockades and i just I, I kind of like I every time I see it, I just I love that introduction where we have these two fully fledged Jedi. You know, we were always repro- deprived of Jedi Knights. We knew what Jedi Knights were in the in the original series, but here they are. They're doing their job. They're doing their business. Yeah, right? yeah. And they're just kicking ass. I just love the introduction. I know it's great. I do. I, I do often wonder what goes through, what went through adults' brains oh, when, yeah, yeah. when 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 they when they first came on screen. And they're like, and then Obi-Wan walks in and they're like, oh, who's playing Obi-Wan? And he takes his hood off and they go, what, the heroin guy? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it was um, it was nearly Kenneth Branagh, actually. Really interesting. Yeah, that would have been, and I think it was between him and Ewan, Ewan McGregor, but I think Ewan McGregor pipped him to the post because he actually looks a little bit like a young Alec, Alec um, McGuinness. And yeah. And I and I don't know if you'll. I mean, God, I was so close to. <laughs> okay, I'll stop that sentence. <laughs> but what I will say in this is, in the prequel series, is it's amazing how much he has taken. Like he's clearly, and he, and he says in interviews when he was rehearsing for this, he was watching so much of Alec McGuinness and how he moves on screen and how he acts and how he, you know, the tempo and how he talks and stuff. And I think like how everybody speaks in this movie is a really interesting one because it's. It's no, you know, there's a lot more um, English accents than American accents. You know, it was, it was typically kind of American accents and stuff that we we heard in the um, oh, yeah. Here, you know, heroes of... and heroes and villains uh, in in the original trilogy, uh, mm. all the heroes were American, all the bad guys were British. British. Whereas in this, you know, it's actually quite a lot of it's all mainly all British accents. Yeah, and I. And I think that's actually a really interesting flip and trans- transverse because I think it, it it's done deliberately to set you a little bit in ease. And obviously, you've got Captain Pananka, who's got a very prominent American accent. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else has got the really American accents in this. Um, I guess Anakin does. You know, yeah. To an extent. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you know, it's it's a bit odd, really, when you try and and I'd never really watched it and tried to kind of disassociate the the accent from where they're from and stuff. But but I do I do think that's a really important part of the sound world that it creates from from a lot of this stuff. Like where where are we where are we falling into? What part of the universe and what part of the timeline and the history are we really going to fall into here? Yeah, um, I think Padme's Padme's accent is uh, American. It is when, when it she's is. not in queenie mode, because that's like a weird uh, royal kind of accent that's put on. So, that, so that's put on, but I think Padme as Padme is an American accent. So actually, Natalie Portman worked extensively with a voice coach um, on what kind of dialect Queen Amidala would have, and they they actually settled on a classically imperious kind of tone. Yeah. So the kind, so it was basically modelled on Catherine Hepburn, her accent. Yeah. Or Laura, uh, Laura Bacall, or Bissell, but 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 um. They they would have used sort of some stuff that Laura Hepburn, um, Catherine Hepburn would use in her heyday, but but Portman's voice was then actually electronically lowered in post production to make her sound more queenly. All oh, right. So, so so I don't know if Very you have ever watched the disguise. Yeah, exactly. And and you know you, you hear of, of funny disguise, right? You hear of results where Kira Knightley and um, Natalie Portman when they're in their full costume like they just looked identical. apparently Keira Knightley's mum just couldn't recognise one or the other All right, they were just so similar which I thought was um, that was quite funny um, so so I mean with, with regards to kind of the, the I, I guess the, 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 the first half of the movie we, we're very much introduced to planets like Naboo which we've never seen we're yeah. introduced to um, pieces of music we've never seen and, and I think some of the some of the themes that are really step out to me uh, in that opening scene is is a lot of the the Jar Jar themes, or a lot of the, the music that we get from kind of going to um, um going on to Naboo, and and because we don't initially see actual the palaces of Naboo, we actually see the kind of the underwater, and I think it's Jar Jar's yeah, introduction swamps. and the swamps, and I and I love I love the sound world that initially this film kicks off with yeah. because it's just absolutely chaotic, but it's also kind of like. It's quite Indiana Jones esque and kind of jungle drums and sort of it, it's, it's definitely it's Indiana and Jones unique and, and and I and I and I love it and and actually for all you know for all the, the Gungans falls and the flots that I, it just didn't land like it just didn't land the Gungan stuff I yeah. think I think it's I think it's I do agree with the well intention of of it but I do think that um, it didn't land but the music is really really great and it really carries that kind of. Yeah, like the tribes people almost. Like, and if, I think that was almost the vision that John Williams was really going for for a lot of that stuff. What, what do you think? Definitely, no. I, I love it. I, I love the concept of the Gungans. Yeah, it's, it's their, it's their, it's their presentation that's just like so jarring, isn't it? Yeah. Because, and again, I, I can't properly remember how I reacted to this in 1999 when it when this when this came out. How I reacted to Jar Jar. But I think we liked him. Yeah, I mean, as kids, we, we you know we would have liked that sort of stuff. Yeah, we probably would have quoted him and and end, endlessly, like in the playground oh, afterwards. Endless. We've got a friend, a mutual friend. You, you, that, um, it, well, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> who I remember, he used to love. He used to adore this movie and the the endless quotes. Do you remember how obsessed he was with this? I mean, yeah, it was, yeah. It was it was it's really nice actually thinking back. We we used to play it all the time. Yeah, but I, I think it. if you if you look at if you look at the world of Naboo mm. and the creation that went into like designing, you know, these swamp people, you know, the other the the other dominant species on a planet. Because yeah. the whole idea I love I actually really love Obi Wan's line line when they're 
kind of meeting we'll get with to him, it i know where, exactly the the what you're gonna yeah, say where, yeah where it, where he says like you and the naboo form a symbiont circle what symbiont, yeah. what happens to one of you will affect the other you must yeah, understand yeah. this yeah um i really really love that line like in hindsight like back then i was just like that was a bit of a pompous line who do you think you are obi-wan yeah. prick yeah. but um but the the design of the underworld underworld cities their vehicles uh the the whole ecosystem of the place is just so immersive I, I, mm. no one can fault it it's so mm. so well crafted but again it's just it's just that speech it's the fact that they're they, they come across as all you know stupid or something and yeah. and and they're not but there is that barrier to really care about them. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people kick at kick at the Gungans and the Gungan the, the decision to include them. Uh, that there's an there's elements of stereotype that's put into these creatures. Uh, do you see that? Do you see that kind of like the, they they kind of use it as a vehicle for to to portray a kind of black stereotype? Well, I don't um, I don't you know, see that. But then. But then we grew up in Scotland, one of the whitest places on the planet. That's it, yeah. Uh, and not not in a not in a bad way, but it just is. Um, and I don't think we have the experience, the life experience, and the upbringing to like to observe to, that, yeah, to just make to, that connection. Yeah. So yeah. when people tell me things like that, I kind of go, I'm 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 really sorry. You can see that. I'm I I don't I don't see that and um I, I don't know i mean i i kind of i get it i can see why they would think I, I can see why people would think that and um i mean does it detract from the film no i guess like it in in hindsight i think if if, if it was done you know if, if it was done and it was trying to say something i don't think it properly said it you know about the fact that they're underwater and that they're represented um you know it, it's a kind of like they're representing the black people of Naboo who are persecuted and don't like the people who are up there who think that they're all the best. Now, and I wonder yeah, if they yeah. were trying to say something. Yeah, I don't think it was done very well if they were trying to. And I think if you were going to do it, like that's a really great narrative to have, yeah. actually. Like, I think if you could have... So that, I mean, that's It's a good my... social construct. Like, to, do, you, do you know what I mean? Portray yeah. in a science... In, oh my God, I almost said, said science fiction. That's the cardinal sin for Star <laughs> Wars. Ugh. yeah space opera yeah um, fantasy space opera fantasy space opera what what do we think about the the, the introduction of naboo you know very much the italian scenes the italian settings and well, stuff it's absolutely and, and gorgeous the, the model work is. here is astonishing and actually yeah. like if, if we're talking about the you know one of the things that the prequels get a lot of hate for is the overuse of green screening and cgi and stuff like that but in this movie it's really only in a couple of bits and and it and it doesn't it never happens to the detriment of the film. The film feels it it feels big. It feels spacious. This movie. I don't know yeah. if you've ever thought about this, but almost every sequence in this is big. You're never you know apart from maybe a couple of sequences in Ta Tatooine, yeah. but even still, like you've got the vast deserts, the pod race. You've got the vast plains of Naboo. You've got the underwater sequences. Yeah. You know, like this is a big film. You've got massive Coruscant, and, and I think it all still looks great. Like to this day, does. I really I think, think it. it I really think it looks it, it looks fantastic. I think the, the the biggest thing to that they didn't get right in regards to the green screen and the technology is the fact that they didn't 
really make the actors used to it. The actors were not were not used to working no. in those in those environments. Yeah. And so throughout the prequels you get slight you get slightly wooden performances. Because when you see behind the scenes of what they were physically the environment they were physically in when they were shooting this, it's just a it's just a lime green like void. Yeah. And yeah. and it's mental and you're like, well of course you can't act in that. Like yeah. that, well, I mean terrorists Terra Stamp famously was really pissed off when he arrived on set and he thought he was in a sequence with Natalie Portman. She wasn't even in the scene. She wasn't in there the day. Yeah. You know, he was he was acting in front of a piece of paper and he was like he he didn't he deliberately didn't sign up for the next few movies because he was like, Well, I'm not gonna show up and you waste my time. Yeah. yeah. And they said apparently they said they're oh, you're gonna get a gift from um, you know, George Lucas afterwards to thank you for your time. He got like this really shitty like Star Wars stencil kit. And it was like <laughs> So he was really insulted by that. Oh, but he's dear. the same thing. You know, he said, like, as an actor, you know, he and he's, you know, the thespian sort of actor, he, he, he's been in amazing, um, amazing productions and film, et cetera. But, but that, he was like, no, this is not, this isn't the future and this isn't right. Um, and it's amazing, you know, to continue on that vein of, I think the prequels needed, it need, like, there needed to be a big movie that in some way used that green screen technology in order for it to advance, right? I mean, it's like the advancements only come when there's a necessity for it to do so. Yeah. And now we, you know, we're with the, te- the technology that's been used in things like The Mandalorian and The Batman. We, we, we've got loads of examples of where using the kind of the, the screens to, to portray what we're looking at is actually the better thing to, to do, um, which also just looks in, incredible. It does, yeah. Um, but but it's, a, it's a really good point. And, and I mean, the music as well, the music is, it's, it's, it's not pompous enough, but it's, it's, it's wonderful, and I think it, it demonstrates the the almost like the class of Naboo, the kind of dare I say subtly Renaissance esque kind of vibes that, yeah. that come from a lot of the stuff that that happens from a lot of the Naboo sequences. You know, like specifically some of the stuff around you know the trip to Naboo, specifically the track called that. Yeah. Um. I I do I do think that the sound world of the phantom menace is so unique to the phantom menace and what i mean by that is if you listen to the sound world of any other of like to the original series of the star wars movies and you're gonna hate me for saying this but i do think that there is a little bit of if you were to play me the score for one of the original trilogy movies um i would have a just the score on its own i would have a hard time telling you what movie it is because it is very similar style of music. Yeah. Whereas what I will say with The Phantom Menace is it, it it has totally new and inventive types of music, styles of music. But also I'm so familiar with the tracks yeah, yeah, in yeah. this. So maybe that, that plays into it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the GOAT, John Williams, really did a mm. number on these movies. Like we're it's talking amazing. about the prequels. And he does. it's really interesting because he does have periods of composition, right? So... Mm. And I love no, I love the realization that these scores are all Star Wars scores, right? And and the yep. sequel movies are all Star Wars scores. They all sound like Star Wars scores because they are all John Williams as well, right? Mm. But they are they are different. They do mm. they do sound different. Like mm. the original the original um, trilogy, the, those scores sound. You know, the huge, huge symphony orchestra, huge, huge symphony orchestra. But 
still relatively bare bones in some way yeah, in, in some yeah. in some ways and in the prequels i fe- i feel like a lot more science fiction elements started to like creep into the score like if you think yeah, of, for sure. if you think about um and only using or, or only really using or, orchestral instruments if you think about jar jar's theme where mm. um it's really bouncy they go dun, 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 bull, 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 you know that kind of yeah thing. yeah that kind yeah of thing. and it's all using it's all using natural instruments but it just makes it sound a little bit more alien i, I mm. do think i do think that the prequel move, movies sound more alien than than the other ones yeah which i really which i really really like and yeah it's very much a hallmark of his era well i mean i mean you know expanding on that point you know so he recorded this obviously in abbey Abbey road studios which is you know where almost every with the london symphony orchestra i think it was originally that did this one yeah um yeah it was it was and 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 some of the 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 london voices um for for some of the the choral stuff and we'll get to that and where that appears Um, (laughs) it it, it, it was the first star wars score williams had composed in over 16 years and he produced the recording sessions himself with sean murphy recording and mixing the score you know so so this is um just setting the scene for you know you're you've got your abbey road you've got london symphony you've got john williams yeah what do you expect right yeah, yeah. if you're gonna if you're gonna put that all into all if you're gonna put all that into a pan you're gonna get a wonderful cake Alex. oh yes you are that's the that's the that's the style of it what what i also find interesting and this is one of the first examples i remember learning about the fact that there is multiple different versions of this score that exist out there all oh, right um and this was one of the ones where what what we listen to right now again it's you know apple have re-updated i've apple music and have re-updated it. it was a 2018 remaster it's kind of score and stuff and i and i i want to get your opinion in a second on remastered scores and what what does that mean and how does that work and why is it important but i guess just to to kind of like provide differences to what they now refer to as the ultimate edition and what i mean by that is there is the score that takes place throughout the movie so if you were to just hit record from start to finish of the movie yeah and play it it's it's not quite through composed but there's loads more music that just happen in the movie yeah. that aren't really in the score yeah because it's like oh it's a little joining sequence or there's a little you know this of the strings or a little bit of the you never you never here. get everything in the soundtrack basically. no you don't um so i mean i mean so the difference between versions in, in the recording studio williams recorded cues multiple times um, a tracks film and album version can be drastically different is what i'm saying so one cue can be made up of several takes putting together the best moments of each replacing flubbed notes so um and and since each track sort of um runs several times each performance is slightly different so occasionally williams used to change the orchestrations right on the spot so the score could um also makes use of several insert pieces which is usually replace certain sections with a cue and what i, I guess like what i mean by that is, i mean maybe you understand and that makes a lot of sense to you but what I find quite interesting is there's loads of he recorded loads of little cues for things to happen and then provided them entrances into larger pieces of music. Yeah. And you can see this. And I, and I find this really fascinating because what has happened is he was given loads of little cues. So the full track list, you know, it's ridiculous. I think the full track list is something like 80 pieces of actual 80 sound things or sound pieces of music right or maybe not quite as many for that but 
like if you listen to the cues, basically you John Williams was given how many cues? Probably about what each of these 70, 80 cues. And it's little things like you'll get told, you know, something along the lines of um the gas leak or or droid fight or Queen Amidala walks in a room. Right. And then he's able to try and use all the multitude of variations to try and blend into the... I mean, I'm basically explaining creating a score, but yeah, I yeah. just find it interesting how John Williams, you know, basically started from scratch again, but had all of his previous information from yeah. the new Star Wars films. And it, it, this just must have been like... Uh, this is this was probably... Uh, when he got given the, the job to do this, he is in his element. You know, th- this is well, just it's, it's worth remembering. so comfortable. It's, He's so... it's worth remembering that no composer in history has ever had the opportunity to do what he has done with Star Wars. Like, mm. ever. Because franchises change composers all the time. Nobody get And, and as we all know, Star Wars, it, by George Lucas's own admission... Um, the the special sauce is John Williams. Mm. the 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 light bulb moment, during um, in in the seventies when Star Wars was just about to come out, the light bulb moment when they knew that they that they'd made something special and a smash hit, and it wasn't just nonsense, was when John Williams recorded the music. That was mm. that was when everybody knew they were like, "Holy shit, this thing's gonna be amazing!" Yeah. And right, yeah. and before that moment, everyone you listen, you can listen to documentaries and and things everywhere where people were just like, "Yeah, we really didn't know if this is gonna be any good or not." Like, you mm. know, we'd filmed everything and it was in post production, and but we didn't know. We just this could be a load of nonsense. It could be well, it- so far out there. But then, as soon as John Williams took the podium and just went bang at the the opening crawl everyone was just like oh shit i get it yeah oh and, and, amazing and this is it because it could have went the way of like your flash gordons right where they just they got abandoned you know could you imagine that if star wars originally would have been queen can you guys come in and just do some weird synthetic sound effects yeah. and you know like doctor who kind of vibes yeah. but it just took it in a totally different direction and it must have just been, you know, this is like a lap of honor coming back and doing the Phantom Menace for John Williams. Yeah, this of. is this is just him coming back, but he's but he's created so many new different things. But I, I want to talk about the the scenes on Tatooine because obviously we revisit Tatooine again. It's not only is it familiar for John Williams, but it's familiar for the fans. Everybody knows Tatooine. Yeah. And what I really like about this score is that we have. We, you know, we have kind of some of the sweeping music that we're familiar with from Tatooine. We have Anakin's music, and then we have a lot of the music that accompanies the pod race as well. Um, do we want to start with Anakin's theme? Yes. Because Anakin's theme is very E.T.-esque, I think. It's, and it, it, very, it very much stumbles around a little bit. I think that the note, I can hear it, but it kind of fluctuates around and it kind of moves in a way that it's not quite sure and i and i get the impression that he's he's designed a piece of music that's designed to sound like it's learning right it's learning about it what has it is. a really lovely childlike innocence about it yeah but the reason it but the reason it's one of my favorite themes in this soundtrack i mean my favorite is jewel of the fates for obvious reasons but yeah, yeah. um 
this one's my number two because it 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 does sound it, it has that childlike innocence as i said but it is at its core a variation of On the, the imperial, imperial yeah. march which yeah. is genius because yeah. it's so different it's so yeah. so different you can't quite believe it's the same theme Mm. But and and I used to and I used to only recognize it um, at the end of at the end of at, the sentences at the end yeah. of the sentences where it does go into the minor and it very and it very obviously and it very obviously does that. But actually, the whole thing is actually the Imperial March. You just don't recognize it. Really? Yeah, it's mad. Really? And I, 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 I would. Um, but how how would, is that done? How is how did he do that? I have no I mean, idea. What, I have no idea. But, There's but, a. I, I I would be doing it an injustice to try and like outline it here, just mm. to, but it it is there and like you should just listen to the theme and try and fit bits of the Imperial March, but just ways. It's, uh, some people say like the good melody you could draw with a line, you know. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah. with peaks, with peaks and troughs and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. You could just draw. You could just put a pencil on the page and just draw what you listen to in one unbroken line, and it would sort of look like that. So it's got the same um, peaks and troughs, as I said, and um, same basic direction, and just the way that was morphed into this lovely childlike thing, and then in hindsight creating this super corrupted Im- imperialistic anthem mm. Mm. even though that's the one that came first mm. i think again the world building is insane the musical yeah. world building is insane like you don't get yeah. that level of foreshadowing and other things no i i completely agree do we do a quick bonus for jake lloyd any any points i mean God, I, I I will go. I will give a shout out. There is a really interesting documentary, and it was someone else. It was another podcast that drew my attention to about. It was called. It's called Nearly Famous. Yeah. Um. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I know. Like, I've the, not the, watched the, it, but I know. I know. I know of it. The wee, the wee boy that was nearly cast. And what I find interesting. So the two things that I I like about this was, you know, the the, the it was a very public search to try and find Anakin. Yeah. You know, everybody wanted to be Anakin, and what is interesting about this documentary is and it, and it says the same fact which is they were using the sequence where he first meets Padme to be you know are you an angel which i think is such a a really beautiful scene yeah. actually but i got to admit i and when you watch this documentary spoiler for the documentary you'll see why the documentary is really important because actually Jake Lloyd's not the best kid no i have heard that before he's really I've not, not heard, I he's have not heard that and when you watch, there's one other boy in particular who, you know, nearly got there. And you can see the undertone of the documentary is, you know, that confirmation. It's he, they want you to come to the conclusion of, hang on, this guy is not as good as Jake Lloyd is not as good as this guy. Um, and he never says it. The kid's very graceful. Yeah. He's man now. He's very graceful about yeah. it and talks about, you know, all the experience. He had a lovely time. But that is i i just think that's such a beautiful line are you an angel deep space pilots talk about them i think that's such a really i i love that it kind of gives me shivers when you hear about yeah. that and this is the first time you're seeing you know anakin meet padme and, and it's also you know, like the woman who's dreams. going to it's a kid that dreams. yeah yeah and, and i love that and and i think it's it actually makes it 
sadder now that I watch it, knowing everything, you know, the backlash. So Jake Lloyd said that he retired from acting because of the trauma he experienced after playing Anakin. According to um, Lloyd, other children constantly teased him about the role, for example, making lightsaber sounds whenever he walked by. Is that teasing? I mean, it's it's one of these weird ones where, like, I I... I I wouldn't even know where to begin with that. It's like, are kids jealous of him? Are they making fun of him? Do you think he was maybe a bit of an awkward kid? Like, I, I, I kind of want more to understand the psychology for this because also there's an it's pretty sensitive as well, isn't it? When you're sort of getting, you know, when your traumatic experience are kids making effects from the multi-million pound movie that you had yeah. the opportunity no, to be it's, in. It's Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I, and I, but I, but I want, but like, I also think like, but it, I, I don't know. There's got to be, I think you've got to meet them at the table there in a sense of how offended do you, I mean, like this is obviously in hindsight, right? When I was terrible at this, I, I had my heart in my sleeve when I was a wee boy. I hated it. My mum always used to say, you know, don't don't rise, just ignore it, laugh it off. And obviously that's the same advice I would always give to kids growing up who would ever, you know, be tormented or bullied or et cetera. But when you look at this, you're like, surely if you can't laugh off the fact that you probably set for life because of this movie and the merch- merchandise, etc., then what can, do you know what I mean? What can you laugh? I, off? I don't know. Some, yeah, you, you, you can't really laugh off anything really. Can you, but no, um, well, I think, I think this is, it's a huge thing. I, I, I really can't imagine being a kid being cast mm. as Anakin Skywalker and then everyone hating you for it. Well, it goes on here. It says, Lloyd said that the situation was made worse because in his opinion, the film did not meet the fans' expectations. Despite this, Lloyd had reprised the role of Anakin in several video games and has appeared at Star Wars conventions and events. So, so he's not totally turned his back on the world. But I think that point he made around Luke, the the, the 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 prequels you know and they're famous everyone shits on the prequels right but i wonder if he felt and i think this is probably a fair assumption to make that he, a lot of the hate was generated towards him yeah of why they didn't work definitely and i'm and i don't think that's right at all i actually think that anakin and you know obviously i was a kid when i was probably about his age when i watched this movie yeah. so actually it he he very much resonated with me i've always been a big protector of jake lloyd's performance of anakin but i mean that's a hell of a toll to put on a kid right yeah massive. the movie's not performing for the fans expectations and i think this is the i like this movie because i think it's quite poetic that this movie's called the phantom menace and it's the first movie in which you know nerds like you and me in the nerdiverse as it were yeah. the snyderverse the you know the batmans or dcs or marvel stuff we, we love them all but i think this is the first example of the phantom really isn't what we see on the screen but the, the menacing phantom yeah, actually is yeah, yeah. the fans do you see what i'm saying this is the first real example of where the fans turn on um an actor and and really go at it or go at the not just the actor but the creators yeah. because it doesn't live up to their expectations and i can't remember a time in history where a film came out and this is really the first time i think where fans had an expectation yeah when did they have this before no, they did the hype the hype leading up to this movie was was insane but it does call to mind that um, it's almost a fit it's almost an internet fable at this point but it's totally but it's totally accurate nobody hates star wars more than star wars fans yeah exactly yeah yeah it's it, that, yeah. That, that, that's just that's just the sad truth of it but there, but there we go 
Do we want to talk? I mean, the other thing that we get in Tatooine is we do get a little bit of the, the binary sunset. It's a bit of the force theme yeah. when, you know, when leading up to the pod pod race. And I, and I, you can't have Tatooine without it. But then it jumps into one of many fanfares. This this score is f- so comfortable providing fanfares throughout. And the fanfare is the, the pod race. Yeah. You know, that, that initial fanfare where we're seeing the stadium, we're seeing all the fans. I, I read, interestingly, a lot of the fans were generated because of 49ers. Um, it's 49ers fans that they recorded oh, really? at games and stuff. Yeah, And actually, a lot of the, the crashes and stuff were inspired by NASCAR. So everything was really inspired by like American sports. Yeah, yeah, thing. I can imagine. Um, but but the, fan, the fanfare, you know, the, the, it's such an exit. It heralds the intro to the line of the pod race. And I love this. Like it's it's almost like military horns kind of trying to rally the troops, and it happens a few times throughout. But oh, it's, it's such a hype piece of music that it's I such a hype it, piece and of I music. I can hear it. But I love I love that scene so much. I love the pod race in general. I've heard a lot of people complain about it because it goes on too long, and I just don't agree. I love it. I love the pod pod race sequence. I think I I adore it. No, yeah. don't get me wrong. And I had all the to- I had all the pod race toys. I just I I had the po- I had the pod race alarm clock. Oh, I had that too. Yeah. Yep, yep. I can still Brilliant. hear it. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. actually I might have had the Naboo fighter alarm clock. Um I did have the pod race the Lego toys. You know those you know those original Lego pod race toys are like vintage now. Are they? You, you cannot get wow. that original. I I was fucking about with it. I was throwing the box away all sorts. See if I'd kept that unchecked. That's worth a lot of money. Yeah. And you know what I also used to have was the little machines where you 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 click them in and you push it and it would and it would shoot the pod race. Oh around. yeah, I remember that. Oh, I had all of those, and you could make your own pod race. Oh my god! I mean, the merchandise for this was the best merchandise for any movie. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the, for for any movie. Oh yeah, no, it's um, crazy. Like they did like such a job on that. But mm. I love the level of detail. I love the fact that how how easy would it have been, right? For them to go, right, we're going to make a space racing thing, right? How easy would it have been for them to just make every pod racer the same? Oh, like yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like, like yeah a that's a good stuff. point. But yeah. instead, the, the the level of variations between, like, you know, and it's very much like, oh, these racers have built their pods themselves. Oh, I and, love it. And each one is very, very different. And they all look real. Like, Well, they all were real. They were all models. They yeah. were all built. Yeah. And yeah, just love that. And there's actually, um, and all the, I, I think for me, uh, you know, focusing on the music and the, and the sound world, the, 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 the sounds, you know, as they all went past and the sound design and they, they all had their, they all had their own fingerprint. Do you know what I mean? You, you could almost close your eyes and be like, I can see what that one looks like. Yeah, Again, um, made by legendary star Wars sound designer, Ben Burt. Yeah. Ah, uh, it was so. I mean, the sound design in this movie, all the the droid sounds, the sounds. You know, obviously we we have so many lightsaber sounds coming out. The blasters are all so unique. Yeah. And I, I just, I just, but the, but the, the sounds that are played during the space battles and the pod race, they are like it, it it's, it's like addictive almost. It it's is. the cocaine of the sound world, isn't it? Listening to the pod. I, I truly think that's know. where a lot of the immersion of it comes in. It's just that, that tactile, that tactile feel of hearing the sound world and having that and, and, being like right there. I feel like that's the, that's the thing that's closest to being, being able to reach out and actually touch 
But do you know what's genius world. about it from a from a business perspective is if you're investing in the sound world, you're creating these sounds that are synonymous to Star Wars. Yeah. And that, my example I give you is like if you make that sound anyone can recreate that sound yeah. but everyone knows what that sound yes. means and and as a marketing ploy if you manage the sound you know even when i was doing the impression of podrich just there right you know what i'm talking about yeah. do you know what i mean and you can market around a sound effect yeah. you know and we, we got this again in in attack of the clones when you drop the the, the depth charges you know just an incredible oh, array sploosh. of noise that's why i call do, 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 <laughs> but you just you need to like it, it rep it recognizes that a score isn't just the music that's played or the music in it, but it's also the effect, the sounds, the creation, the clunking of the armor, the clunking of the metal. You know the 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 wonderful water flow, the creatures, the roars of the monsters underneath the sea. You know it it's it is just it's to the tens. Yeah, it's yeah. to the tens, and the pod race it captured us. It really did. Yeah. My only criticism actually with pod racing is we've never had any pod racing in the expanded Star Wars universe since this. This is the only example of pod racing. Yeah. I mean, we, we maybe got a little bit of one of Anakin's hulls, I think, in The Mandalorian or Book of Book, Book. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I and, and you know, we, I always say expand Star Wars, do more, do, you know, gritty crime croissant, do this, you know, whatever. Um, you know, a, a real housemaids of Naboo would be hilarious. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like a comedy series or something like that would be very good. But my God, you could do like a a, a Ford versus Ferrari or or something. Make you know, a pod race, pod race movie. series or a pod race TV series. Do you know what TV I mean? Series, yeah. Like introduced a couple of characters and they're gritty racers. You don't need to you don't need to introduce the Empire or anything. The stakes are the pod race yeah. circuit, like a like a Grand Prix style. Well, they, oh my! God. I'm afraid to report they kind of did that. Did they? They really? kind of did that in the games. No, no, no. They're the one of the animated TV series, Star Wars Resistance. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Except they're not. It's not. They're not pod racers, but they're they're ace racing pilots. Okay. And it's just it, it's 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 not great. Well, I mean, it's not, the it's not amazing. Squ- well, they kind of hinted this with squadrons, right? But I think squadrons is now on ice, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Anymore. Among among other Which things, a, but there we go. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um. Do I mean a couple? There's a couple of more sequences, but let let's get into some of the the, the last few tracks. Yeah. So, um, I think in order we'll do Jewel of, uh, as they come out. So the Jewel of Fates, Qui Gon's Noble End, High Council Meeting, yeah, yeah. and then the Municipal End Credits Band because I think they they cap off this Definitely. film very nicely. Do we want to do Jewel of Fates, Definitely. which is the one that deserves the most? I mean, um, th- th- this is this is lightning in a bottle. This is this is as good as, and I think better than Imperial March. Yeah, this is one of one of the, if not the best single piece of music in Star Wars, in my opinion. Yeah, very, po- very, very possibly. I, I, w- I, I mean, will flip flop on that opinion, but in a my little heart, bit of binary sunset. Yeah, or, but in, but in yeah. my heart, Jewel of the Fates is something special. I can I I can still feel exactly what I felt when the doors opened. Darth Maul was standing oh there. Oh my god! That is an actual moment. Like that is a moment of cinema where you go. It's cinema history. It really is. That bit is cinema history. Insane. That bit doesn't even have any choir in it. That bit's just brass. But I mean, it's so bloody cool. Do you know one thing? One thing I love about Jewel of the Fates when it came out. Did you know it topped the charts? 
Yes, it came number eight. I I read this. I think it was. Or did it get to number yeah, one? Yeah, it topped it? the charts for a brief moment, oh. and then it stayed in it stayed in the top ten for like weeks afterwards. Really, for a piece of orchestral scoring in a movie. Oh Mwah. man, it is just. But but I so said that second lightsaber when it it's you know it it like as a fan I watched that and and the visuals are stunning. Yeah. But my. God, you, you, I, the thing I like about the Duel of Fate is you, there isn't, there quite possibly, even if in my wildest imaginations, it couldn't be as good as it actually is, yeah. that piece of music for that sequence. Yeah. You know, if you said to me, you can have anything you want here and you can create this and whatever sound would just fit this, even if I had all of the ingredients to create something that would be so important to me, it wouldn't be as good as what I got. No, 100% I, not. I, Hundred percent not. The, and this is the instruction of a choir. You know, we've never really had a choir. No, before. it's not. And it was actually John Williams's suggestion. It was John Williams's idea to to include that. And I I believe that George Lucas was very much on the fence about it at the time, because we because he'd never had that in Star Wars before. It was always just orchestral. And I think he was scared that the choir would make it too 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 uh too relatable to human to us because obviously mm. it's 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 voices and there's not well, what but what language do they say well it's, a, it it's no it's very very interesting um it's sanskrit okay it's, San What's that? it's sanskrit which is uh um which is a middle eastern di dialect oh, and it's okay. because the vowels are uh, just lend themselves very well to big choir but the actual text that they're singing is based from a welsh poem um, called oh. the Battle of the Trees, and yes, and I've got the I've got the poem right here. Shall I shall I read okay, it? Okay, go for it. Yeah, yeah, this read is, it. Under the tongue root, a fight most dread, and another raging behind in the head. Hmm. Very yeah, interesting. So translated from Welsh into Sanskrit. So we're not supposed to wow. get any of that, but the fact no. that it's there is like, ooh, that's quite yeah. cool. I like that. And and I and I just love the. What 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 is wonderful about it is the, the tempo, and the and the repetition, and the the way that it weaves in and out. You know, you've got two, and then you've got like like you basically got in my opinion you've got and then the the choir I think represents Darth Maul. You've got the which I think represents Obi Wan. That's just like his heart going. Right. Like this yeah, is yeah, him. Yeah. This is him really going. And the that I think that's Qui Gon, and that's how I see when I listen to Duel of Fates and I watch them. Fight, well, that's interesting. That's how I see all of those things intertwining. You've actually got three of them all represented. Well, in that well, there's a few elements that I think you've uh, you've brushed on there, which I think um, John Williams very much intended. Because I've got a quote here from him where he said, mm. "The great sword fight at the end of the film, the decision to make that." I love it. He must have just went, "Yeah, the fucking sword." Yeah, <laughs> the great sword fight at the end of the film. The decision to make that choral was just the result of my thinking that it should have a ritualistic or quasi-religious feeling mm. and the introduction of a chorus may, may be just the thing. The, mm. the chorus and orchestra would give us a sense where, that we're in a big temple. And, yeah, it's, and, that's and, it's it. very interesting. and it does give us the, the impression that they're fighting. It's, it's almost, when, when they start the fight, it is almost like a bit of a dance, isn't it? It's almost like 
um they they have to go through this thing it's like a it is like a ritual for them you know jedi versus sith mm. they're about to do the thing that they, they do the thing that they do because they're ancient enemies yeah. and and stuff like that but then the whole idea of it being in a grand temple and stuff gives that impression that they're fighting over more than just the fight there and it's mm. not just a fight for naboo as part of the plan to save naboo or all of that but if you've ever heard dave filoni talk about this scene he's he says it much more eloquently where he says you know the real battle of duel of the fates is the battle for anakin's soul yeah yeah and actually they and actually they lost when obi-wan when obi-wan survived and quite and and qui-gon died because yeah that th- they lost that battle like that yeah, the, because, that battle because, was fought and, and lost and, and in and that the, scene because the way i mean i guess considering that i think obi-wan is not the right person to train anakin no qui-gon was the right person to train him and i think the character of qui-gon is a real i mean it initially was not going to be in the movie that much but when liam neeson signed up he didn't even read the script he just says i'm doing it yes absolutely yeah. i'll do it um and he's, I mean, he's just brilliant. Isn't he's he? a great character. He's wise. And and what's interesting is the next track is Qui-Gon's Noble End, yeah. which which very much tells the story of what's happening on scene. Like this this track is all over the place. It tells four different stories at once that, that's happening. But but also what you have is you have this really interesting. So the, the, the vocals from about two minutes um, are very soft and they're hush. And it's just the vocals on its own at the two minute mark. Yeah. And then at 2.16, that's when, you know, that's when, you know obi-wan's waiting and he can't he can't get in there and 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 qui-gon's meditating and then the door is open again which i don't really fully understand but i love that sequence yeah. i think it's really inventive um qui-gon's fighting and then he's stabbed and everyone can hear the you know i can still oh, hear that huge, bit. two minutes 16 it's a huge cataclysmic chord isn't it it's oh. it's uh, it's very much the and moment where the, you're like oh shit do, 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 do. oh and it because it is it has that little victory little Yes, you know, you know, Darth Maul has has, has now killed yeah, quite one of them. I, now I'm gonna get, and now and, I'm gonna get the Padawan. Yeah, it is a little bit like that. Yeah, I've got the, I've got the, the master. Now I'm just gonna kill his little prince, and I'll be done with this stuff. And I just think it's absolutely amazing. The other piece of music that I want to talk about is the High Council meeting and Qui Gon's funeral because that's, you know, it, it, it's a very confused piece of music. I like at the start of the High Council sequences, and we also get little bits of Yoda's theme. Du, 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 yeah, we do. You know, we we get a little bit of. I think it's nice, but it's almost like um, he they they don't really know where to happen, where to go next. And I do get the I do get the impression where now that Qui Gon's dead, like Qui Gon was the linchpin character that connected all of these Jedi, yeah. and now he's gone. You know what I mean? It's kind of like you know when you've got one mate and he introduces all of his mates and they all come to the pub, <laughs> and then that first mate has to take, go out for a phone call or go for a pee, and then all the other, other mates are like. Hey, so we've got this one thing in common, and now they're not here at the moment. Like, it's kind of yeah, has yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of like vibe yeah. almost. And I think the music does a really good job of kind of like demonstrating that level of like, where are we? And it dra- gravitates towards a con- you know a very comforting piece of music, which is y- Yoda's theme. But then it also has the Vader March theme as well. When you know we start to see this is the the path is you know the the stones have been thrown. This is now where they're all landing it's obi-wan is now gonna have to look after anakin which he is you know arguably he's not prepared for he's not prepared to take this boy in um and then we have the qui-gon funeral which as you said before the choral kicks in and it's it's very religious it's a very religious theme you know qui-gon being burned um i 
yeah, I, I found this I found this bit really really interesting and it, it's a totally you know like this this piece of music the high council meeting and qui-gon's funeral these are totally unique to the phantom Menace. Yeah. these you couldn't really place them in any other star wars film no um and and uh, yeah I, I just i love it and i think it's nice that the coral stuff very much drops off okay we maybe get a little bit of coral well, in, actually, in the revenge of the in, sith in, in, and actually that music is played again in in revenge of the sith it's the same it's yeah. the same piece of music when um Anakin is becoming Darth Vader. Yeah. Oh, yes. When the it suit's is. going, when the suit's going on, it's the same music as Qui Gon's funeral, which is interesting. Oh, no. Oh, yes, it is. That's a really good point. I forgot about that. Yeah, I can still hear it. And there's little bits of, um, yeah, when when um, when Coruscant is falling. And there's a little bit of that kind of haunting God. Revenge of the Sith is we'll get that. That's a different beast altogether. Right. But that 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 kind of like choral music that's played there, the really really haunting yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. when he's turned and he's who's down. Um, last track. Well, just before Augie's, that, just okay, before that, it. there's one other there's one other musical inclusion that I think is important to talk about, and that's the Emperor's theme. Oh, because the Emperor's yes. theme, which we heard, only heard for the first time in Return of the Jedi, actually. Um, it doesn't happen anywhere. Well, because the emperor's not really in uh, the in, in the, the other, other ones two, either. Yeah. He's briefly in in Empire Strikes Back, but only in Return of the Jedi. But it is very well placed, and the shot is singularly of um Chief Palpatine on um uh, Palpatine in Phantom Menace. Mm. Mm. You know, just in case there was no doubt, just in case there was any doubt that this guy was going to be the emperor the movie tells us like 100% and i do quite like oh yeah it just fill, it zooms in on him at the funeral yeah but it? it plays the emperor's music emperor's just theme. to really yeah. wave the flag just red flag there yeah. red flag here he is this is the guy and i do like i think it would have been easy to go down a path of we don't know who the emperor is going to be right but is he McDermott? <laughs> well, I know he is, but I know, but he's also in in Return of the Jedi. If you're looking at it through like the eyes of like a child who doesn't know things about casting and things like that, the Emperor in the Return of the Jedi is all like latex face mask robes yeah and yeah et yeah et yeah that's true I yeah think, you probably wouldn't be able to tell i don't yeah. think you would have been able you would have been able to tell it's very easy to go well yeah it's the same bloody actor a fucking idiot but yeah. you know it's, it's 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 a different thing but i which fair play he's the only actor i think that's done the prequels and this so actually yeah Daniels yeah the, is the, the, the droids definitely kenny baker but i i do quite like the idea that the audience is in on it like Complete, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. That like the audience can see the doom happening. Or like he's over there, in yeah, front of he's them. behind and you. And then, and it really, really sells the arrogance and, to quote the Last Jedi, the the hubris of the Jedi Council to not recognize what's so obviously in front of them. Yeah, yeah. And I yeah. just, I, I really like that aspect of the prequels, to be honest. Um, Augie's municipal pan band, and then into end credits. What do you think of the da 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 da? I, I I like it, but I'm like, it's a bit, and the whistles and stuff, it's a bit like, uh, I don't know, I I feel like, I listen to it and I'm a bit like, it's a bit of a weird way to end it, isn't it? It's a little it? bit. You it's know, nice I think... to see Anakin is with his little braid. Oh, yeah. cute little you braid. Like, oh, my, you know my fact on the Padawan, my young Padawan, Alex? Do you want oh, to yeah, hear the fact? On. 
You know, the fact that I have God, we need to wrap this fucking shit up. But I knew this was going to happen as soon as we, um, as soon as we talked around this. Where the fuck is this fact? Um, I can't find it. Something about Padawans when they when they when they pass, they cut off their braids because that means that they're no longer a Padawan; they're a Jedi. That's the fact. Alex. Absolutely. I just I, I, you knew that. I was think. It. I think. I think we all knew that. Didn't we? No, no, but I had to tell you. The okay, parade fair. music at the end of the film is melodically related to the Emperor's theme as well. Mm. I don't know if you uh, you picked up a little bit of this as well. There's a lot of lot of melodies that are included in that. But but I, I mean I, I do like it. It is very much reminiscent of the end of a New Hope, yeah. right? The do 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 do. But it's it's a bit more fun. It's a bit more quirky. There's celebrations, and you've got the Gungans and the oh, and they're all friends. And yeah, and he get and he gets and a big ball at the end. He gets a big energy ball. They, he he does get a ball. He gets a big energy. That's ball. the good thing about the ball. Yeah, um, but yeah, and um, the. I mean, really, the only thing left to kind of talk about is a word that you said before. And you said symbiotic. Yes. And the reason I'm going to pick this up is that I'm going to link a really interesting, just an amazing video, amazing video by um, a YouTuber um, called Ben from Canada. And Ben, who, you know, we know, who did this amazing observation video on how the word symbiotic is essential to the Phantom Menace, how everything in the Phantom Menace is about twos. Yeah. It's all about two people, two things. You've seen the I video, have seen haven't you? I have seen the video, yeah. I think it is amazing. I think it's the observations that are made in that video and the way in which he explains it all, I think is fat. What do you, I mean, what do you oh, think? Yeah. You think you should link it? I mean, is there, have I missed any points? Is there any like like summary points to say from it? Because because when he dies down, you're like, shit, two of everywhere. You know, from the pod racers to the the, the lightsaber blast. Well, no, everything. literally, like I think because I there were so many like light bulb moments for me when I watched that watched that video as well. And even even down to the fact that there are two two engines on the pod racer. I was like, oh my god, yeah, of course there are. Like. And and, yeah. and they're linked together with this very um, not structurally sound and probably engineeringly very weak energy beam that's driving yes. the whole thing. Yeah. And yeah, you're like, yeah, well, exactly. that could just break and crash at any moment. And it all adds to you know that 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 kind of dichotomy themes of this thing. The fact that Darth Maul has a double ended lightsaber. The, the fact yeah, that he exactly, has to yeah. fight two Jedi. The fact that yes. there are only two sith a master and a a master and an apprentice uh, there, there's that like mm. endless 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 ones yeah i i i it's great. i will water it. has really two wings it. oh my god yeah everything's in twos um and then obviously there's the four different fights we said oh wait, we're wrap. Yeah, yeah, we just yeah. wrap up i'm gonna have to edit some of this but look this is um it's a special place in my heart this movie it always will do the music I will be able to listen to without watching the film and I will be able to see the film in my mind's eye. It's just just a ob obvious two thumbs, obvious. right? Like it's so good. So so good. Moving forward? Let's move. We're going to move quick. Um I want to just do a quick review of some stuff that's happened. Let's just jump away from Star Wars to have a wee palette cleanser because in, we got the first actual trailer of um, Thor Love and Thunder because yeah. in this trailer, we are introduced to Gore the God Butcher. Yeah. What do you think of Christian Bale in this? Well, 
I thought he, I think he looks terrifying, frankly. He does look quite he looks creepy, really doesn't he? Really creepy. I I've not mm-hmm. delved into this. Maybe you can shed some light. Is there a bit of controversy as to like how he how he looks here? I hear like some fans aren't particularly happy about how how he looks in this. Well, he, he looks. I think it's because um, I mean I don't, I don't know, but if, if I was to sort of say the, the blatantly obvious is the gore the god butcher is a character that um it, it has quite a he doesn't have a really human like face he's got quite an interesting weird sort of face and you know think like malaketh almost right. you wouldn't know that was Christ, christopher eccleston yeah, yeah, yeah. would you and i think what mcu are doing is they're trying to move away from you know the kind of who hey like it's just an actor but you could have cast anyone in that role um you know that oscar isaac as apocalypse oh, yeah, is another yeah, example yeah. of it i think and and what they're doing instead is that they're sort of saying, well, no, we're actually casting a quality actor. Let's re let's, let's allow him how to he act. looks, allow him to act so that you can see his face and you can and he can emote. Um, and you know, there's a there's a lot of kind of like Voldemort esque sort of vibes that we're getting yeah, yeah, from yeah. him in this. Um, and some of the weird pained facial expressions that he makes is good. We've obviously got that kind of. It's a weird, I don't know if this makes sense, but Christian Bale almost has that kind of lisp. It's not, it's like a half lisp that he has. He almost like pushes words out the top of his mouth. I don't know if you've ever seen it. And you can see a little bit of that and how he speaks. Um, but no, I think, I, I don't think there's a huge amount. I mean, what, have you heard any of the other controversies? Well, again, I've not, I've not, I've not read into it, but I saw, I saw a couple of uh, articles or maybe they were like YouTube videos going like, why, uh, why the fan base is divided over Gore the God Butcher. And I was like, really? No. Like I thought, I he looked, think they are. I thought I mean, he looked awesome in in the trailer, yeah. and I loved the. I, I don't know how they're going to play out in the movie, but there seems to be some uh, black and white, um, yeah, envi- elements environments to it, yeah. to it. Like he's like it's almost like maybe it's part of his power that he just like sucks the color out of an environment. I don't know. Like I think there could be a little bit of that. Yeah, I think that's and a I really think good call. I think I visually mean, that could be amazing in a movie um yeah i mean like i'm i'm all, all for it but i'm obviously we saw a little bit more of the movie we saw in the first sort of teaser but i mean there's nothing much more that we need from this you know arguably just stop here right you're gonna get i mean i wonder again like what's the data on this do you think there's gonna be they know how many trailers you've got to release means how many bums you're gonna get in seats surely, oh, they've got endless data surely on enough shit. yeah but but yeah, but surely like I mean my assumption would be surely one more trailer or trailer two is just going to reveal more shit. Like don't do that. Just just put the film. Or do they know that two trailers equals this many fans? This many trailers equals this many fans. I don't. I mean I don't know. I don't know. No, I've got I've got no idea. I mean I I do I do think that the trailers are for non fans. Yeah, of course. I I do think trailers are for non-fans as far as like what they need to do to get people in the seats because you know after all like Marvel in the grand scheme of things they want they want everyone in the theaters they don't they don't well, just care the, about the fans in the theaters. I mean, look at the Kenobi trailers, right? You you threw jewel you throw jewel of fates in there. Yeah. I know so many non-fans who I was chatting to some of the people on the course last week who I was saying, oh, it's coming out this week. They were all like, oh, I've not watched Star Wars in ages. I watched the prequels, but I've not watched anything. But I watched this. I mean, this is going to get a lot, you know, Kenobi's going to get a lot of people back because of the trailers. Um, I I do think that Gore the God Butcher is, is, is a really good villain to do. And I think that it's going to be really interesting. I, th- I think he's invincible as well. So I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> another, one, another one of these things. Um, but no, it's been good. Um, do we want to talk a little bit more? I mean, let's let's go back into Star Wars, right? Yep. Let's, there's very, a few very things to brief, wrap up. Brief, here. brief segue from <laughs> from Star Wars, and now we're back. 
um three events three things have been have been happened the first one is um star wars skeleton crew has been announced yeah. with jude jude law at the helm well, that's because it's uh, this, this it's star wars celebration in Han- in anaheim at the moment so that's where they an- announced that right? all the star wars shit that's what that's what's yeah. happening right now what what do you think of um the uh the, the skeleton crew announcement with jude law i mean i don't really know much about there's, this there's I not think. much to go on here there's not really not much to go on i think we got a a sort of tease synopsis type thing where okay. they basically said that um there were some stranded kids it takes place in the in the in the same era as the mandalorian so post return mm. of the jedi um mm. and it, it focuses on a group of kids that are stranded and they're trying to get home that's basically that's basically okay. it and interesting jude law helps them in some way we have no idea what kind of character jude law is mm. going to be i've seen a lot of jokes on the internet saying uh, i'm not sure about uh, casting jude law as a 10 year old kid but i i can see it <laughs> yeah he's got he's range, got range. He does have range. <laughs> um do we want to talk a little bit about another sort of brief little trailer that came out which was for jedi survivor Absolutely. the second in the fallen order franchise and i like how it's not called fallen order 2 first and foremost yeah Yeah. um i think cal's a really good character and i mean this is going to be really scraping the barrel order 66 has now happened and he's on the run darth vader's now marked him um yeah Yeah. no i mean i wonder i loved that game there's been very very few games you know while when i've been an adult where i've played more than once Right, multiple mm, playthroughs. Mm. I I've played Jedi Fallen Order. I think four times now, from really? start to finish. I, w- I think I think I will play it again. I've only it's played it once, but I think so... I will do it. Again. I find it really difficult. Though. It is difficult. The mecha- the the mechanics are much more difficult than you. Than, Having said than that, AAA I'm doing games. Alien Isolation. <laughs> I'm doing Alien Isolation on the hardest mode Love possible that. now. So and I've completed that game so Love many times, that. which is it is so I can't even get past. It's so hard. Yeah, it is so hard. No, um, but I think it is a question of just like if you're gonna if you're gonna do it on on the hard difficulty, and I do recommend doing Jedi Fallen Order on the hardest difficulty. Um, it is a case of like, okay, this is the game I'm playing at the moment, and your muscle memory yeah. just has to be wired to that game. Yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah. That's really that's the really the only way to do it. But I do really really appreciate that level of like mechanics in in, mm, in a game mm. and it's not just like a linear story and the story in it is really really good i do really really like well it. I, I i agree and i do hope that the story continues for cal i mean i can't actually remember how the last one happened i, I remember what 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 parts of um so who who was the villain it was it was one of the it was at the second yeah, sister, second sister or something yeah. like this. who was the who was the ex-padawan of the jedi who ends up helping cal um, in mm. in in the story, so you get a lot of that kind of betrayal vibes and stuff as well, which is yeah. all very Star Warsy stuff. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. The Inquisitors are good good in that, and and I and I like you know I think I think anything that fleshes out Order sixty six is always really interesting. You know, anything where you can get a little bit more into that, and I want to see more. I want to see more of cal and the, and him the, and on the run and and i do wonder i mean like what what, what is the it, it, what's the end of his story right yeah like, where does that go to because he's not obviously in the original trilogy and so what happens there is there is there an ending or does he exiled like what does he go yeah i mean it begs the question 
do you think there are je- other Jedi out there still in the universe after Order sixty six? Well, I mean, we have we we have a and continuously. We, we, we have a the... and we and we we've had enough of a to basically have the end of her character oh, yeah. be very, very open-ended. We have no idea where her character meets her demise. But, where, but what happens to Ahsoka during the original trilogy? Like, where is we don't, she in We that? don't know. We, we, we have no yeah. idea where she is. And it, it's a very, very weak explanation, in my opinion, in, you know, as far as, like, explaining why previously there were no more Jedi in the galaxy. And then she basically explains that by saying, I'm, I'm not a Jedi. I'm like this you know, weird kind of force wielder because she left the Jedi Order. And I'm like, fine. Okay, yeah, that's like, yeah, yeah. it's like... Yeah, let's not split the yeah, difference. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like semantics, right? It's like, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. okay, fine, whatever. I, I, yeah, I don't I don't yeah. buy it. I'm, she's, she's, a, she's a good guy and she's a force wielder, so, you know, yeah. okay, whatever. But, so I, I, I don't know if they could use similar semantics to keep Cal Kestis alive I think it's quite weak to rely on that too many times I think I mean you've gotten away with it barely with Ahsoka but I don't think you could do yeah. it with anything else I would love to see Cal turn up in something live action yeah yeah um, yeah and perfectly possible yeah but I think again if this is just a character that exists in that pre-episode 4 time frame and he will meet his end at some point I mean I mean the other one sense. that he could appear in is the last thing I'll talk about which is Andor Cassie oh, yeah. Andor um, this was a good trailer I, I think yeah, Cassie I Andor is a really good and I, I'm a massive fan of Rogue One as you yeah. know I think it was a brilliant film and I, I really like the story and I like, you know, the, the, the combination of all the characters were brilliant. I'd like to see some Riz Ahmed in this because I thought he was excellent in yeah. this too. I don't um, think we will. No, yeah, I don't think we will because I think we shame, in yeah. that movie, don't they? Um, but I think this will be a really interesting story. And I, and I wonder, there's got to be a reason why they've taken this character and they've fleshed this character out. I think there's going to be I don't know, but really... there was one inclusion in the trailer that got me really, really excited. There was a shot mm-hmm. of the inside of the Senate on Coruscant. Oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, are we going to see Imperial Coruscant? Because we've never seen Imperial Coruscant before. Yeah, that's a and good I point. Think that, that is a really good point. Yeah, because that must be like the headquarters. That is, that is the headquarters. I mean, uh, in in uh, Expanded Universe, and I believe this is in like the canon Expanded Universe as far as like what's written in the official books and stuff. Because, um, yeah. But Palpatine turned the jedi temple into his own personal palace right which is sadistic as fuck and i really want to and i really want to see that on screen but i wonder it's a great point like why do they move why does palpatine and and vader move from planets because in the original trilogy they're all working from starships and spaceships and stuff but when we see the prequels everything's very much planet based so maybe there's a reason why that is. Maybe there's a reason why they leave the Jedi Temple. Maybe does the does the does the Senate or the Jedi Temple is it does it fall again? No, does I the don't. Destroy no, it? no, no, definitely not. I mean, I I think that would really that would really hurt a New Hope by giving the Rebel Alliance the the means and the power to hurt Coruscant. I think that's mm. that's not gonna happen, or it shouldn't happen. But no, I I think I think. W- they just drop a couple of stink oh, bombs yes, in the pal- on the palace, and he's like, "Oh, I've got to get, get out of those here." Those prank callers. But um, I think with 
the addition of the prequels, I think you then look at where everyone is in the original trilogy in a slightly different light. Um, mm. I I I now see Palpatine as being on Coruscant for like the whole of uh, until he goes to the second Death Star in um, mm. in Return of the Jedi. I think he's on Coruscant the whole time. Personally, that but that's just what I have in my mm. head. I think. But then Vader's and Vader's on Mustafar. Vader's, ca- he, Vader's castle is, on, is Vader's not? castle is on Mustafar. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then for the. For the events of the trilogy, he's basically chasing Luke Skywalker and ships across the galaxy. But yeah. Mm, mm. Well, Andor be good. Yeah. Sorry, it's been a very heavy Star Wars episode this, it has, this week, hasn't it? I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll do a little. We'll do a little recap of Obi Wan next week when I've actually bloody watched it. Well, are we doing three episodes next week? Oh yeah, it will be. Yeah. A good half a series. And are we... Um, yeah, I mean, we could do the first half, yeah. Are, are we... Uh, when is it released, the episode three? Where do they drop? Is it Fridays or Wednesdays? Ooh. or? Oh, it, it must be Fridays then, because the first two episodes yeah. came out yesterday, didn't they? Yesterday, yeah. Huh. Might have factored that one in. We'll, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll work see. We'll we'll see. forward a different time or something. But as like far as again. movies, we're um, going to do Top Gun Maverick. Oh, really we are, yeah, yeah, Maverick. yeah. Or, or I mean, I know I didn't get a chance to see everything everywhere, and I know you recommended well, Top Gun Maverick or that. But oh, let's by the way, it was Maverick, awesome. I think. Yeah, I've heard, yeah. I've heard, I've heard. It's very good. Um, well, Alex, what do they have? Well, to now do they've now? got to get themselves onto the app podcast app. Find us on there. Give us five star rating if you please. Uh, mm. You could review the show there. If you don't want to review us, you can uh, tell us your favorite movie, your favorite. Your, fa- yeah, your favorite yeah. movie soundtrack. We love to see, read, and hear all of it. Uh, we're on loads of other platforms where you like to listen to your podcast, like Spotify. And your podcast. Yeah. The way you said your yeah, podcast yeah. was oh, good thanks. there, Alex. Thanks And if you want to get more directly in contact with us, you can contact us at our email address. And that is motionspod at gmail.com. We are also on the gram. Catch us there. And thank you very much to KTC Graphics Designs for the wonderful art. And I'm going to link some the, the video below because I just yeah, need a excellent video. Um, and then next week, we're Top Gun Maverick. Fabulous. Right, can we go? Oh, definitely. Can you go? You've got a busy yeah, day, aren't you? You're a busy mm. boy. Busy, busy boy off into the center of mm-hmm. London. Good old London yeah. town. Safe travel. Don't talk to any strangers. Don't don't pet any don't any pet any stray cats or dogs. Fair. Okay. <laughs> Something my granddad yeah. used to say when we were on holiday. All right, everyone. Bye. Right, no, oh. what I say. No, what I usually say. I say uh, we will speak to, until. Um, thank you very much for listening. We will speak to you again next week. But until then, <laughs> bye. Right, guys, ta-ta. <laughs>